This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to the Sky Blues Extra podcast, proudly sponsored by Dylan's Brewery and the Sky Blue Tavern. This evening, I'm joined by the one and only Matt Trutwin and the legend that is Dean Atkinson. And we're going to run the rule over what was a disappointing result and performance on Tuesday night away at Cardiff and have a look ahead towards Monday's game under the lights in front of the cameras against Huddersfield Town. Champs, how are we doing? Very well, very yeah, well. Yeah, good. You, Dean? I, I don't want to, I don't really want to dwell on Tuesday night that, that much, if I'm honest. <laughs> no, we're going to make it quick. Uh, so let's just get straight into it. Dean, a 3 2 defeat, but did the scoreline flatter what was a pretty abject performance? Massively. That was um, kind of reminiscent of the, the first season in the championship, some of the performances we put in that year. We just didn't turn up, there was no cohesion. Everyone looked flat-footed. I honestly thought like half of them couldn't be asked to be there, um, which was which was so disappointing because they're they're all trying to put in performances to get into this team. There's lots of players trying to get into the team, especially in that defensive area as well. And I think there was 1,800 Sky Blue fans there, and they just didn't put in any effort. I thought um, piss poor is the two words to describe it. Looked leggy, even though we had an extra day's rest. You know, so Robbins couldn't, you know, <laughs> bring out that excuse after the game. Uh, Matt, I mean, as Dean said, we it was just lacking energy, and they just wanted it more, didn't they? Yeah, I look for me. You probably get we obviously got our group chat, and I was very vocal on Tuesday night in that group. I've chat. never seen you as vocal ever. <laughs> just because it was so frustrating, because I'm not sure I can remember the last time we got it so tactically wrong from my perspective you know i would massively i agree with the sentiment in terms of saying they looked like they didn't care they didn't want it uh they did look leggy I, I, i'm 
massively in agreement with that being the case in terms of how they looked. But I don't really expect or see that or think that's ever going to be the case with a Mark Robbins team or, or think that he would allow it. I just think we we completely shot ourselves in the foot with that centre midfield partnership. Obviously, look, we did it on Friday on yeah on Friday night against Hull. It probably means to an end because we were setting up a certain way with the fact that we had to react to the news of Ben Sheaf. So you can kind of understand it. But to come a few days later and still play that centre midfield partnership with the lack of any kind of forward motion energy from the perspective of kind of yeah being able to to cut through a defence or even play your way forward or even look forward for me it's just it's a really bad tactical decision it's one of the worst that I think I've seen from Mark Robbins in in a long time um and it, it showed on the pitch I think what we talk about in terms of looking leggy looking disinterested not looking involved looking second best all around the pitch just stemmed from the fact it was almost like having a brick wall in center midfield we couldn't join the play together there was no real look to move forward with the ball and, and try and cut them apart or, or or kind of create chances i don't know it's just it, it probably ties into me with the fact of it was probably the worst game for the wing back so far this season and i think in terms of timing that was quite unfortunate for us because realistically they were going to be the only way that we built an attacking threat it was going to have to come through the wing backs moving forward and and obviously trying to you know get out wide put a ball into the middle or do something because there was nothing that was going to happen through the middle and and they whether they felt the pressure of the responsibility of that i don't know but it was their poorest games i would suggest um and then from from that minute on we were we were doomed in my opinion it, it's very one-dimensional isn't it i think sometimes when we sort of play at that that pace and we spoke matt about it about the whole game dean though the the Big, there was only one change to the side, but to me, it, it was monumental, the difference. Casey Palmer coming in for Yasin Ayari, who started against Hull, and who looked, to me, I was incredibly impressed with. Casey Palmer, I mean, that was a... Again, I mean, the whole team were poor, but I thought that was probably the poorest I've seen him. Yeah, 100%. Sorry, I didn't really see much of the Hull game because I was in uh, America. So I saw bits and bobs on the highlights. So in that game, I thought Ayari did look pretty sharp um for the 60 or 70 minutes he was on the pitch but yeah you're, you're absolutely right about Casey Palmer just an abhorrent performance really bad like he's been away with Jamaica and all of a sudden he thinks he's like Cristiano Ronaldo like taking step overs in the middle of the pitch with no players around him and then passing it straight out of the play it was just it was just over, a yeah. wild like, sometimes you you pull stuff off and you think how the hell has he done that but he's he's trying to do that too much when the simple thing is is the thing that's needed at times and i actually want to go back on a point matt's just made there about he doesn't expect the mark robbins team to not try and that's not the way mark robbins wants obviously to play i actually thought in the post-match comments that mark robbins made it kind of mirrored the display i just thought he he just seemed so out of touch with with the reality of how we played that game yeah, I was I was quite surprised. He he didn't really he didn't kind of acknowledge maybe some of the tactical mistakes that he made in that game, which I was quite surprised because I, I generally think he's somebody who fronts up, and he didn't really seem to do that. He just uh, it, it was a bit disappointing to hear. Well, when you've got I I agree with the sentiment again in terms of saying when you've got so many players to implement into a team, you're gonna have to 
to take time to bed that in. But I don't really want to hear the manager say, sometimes you're going to have to take them on the chin because of that fact. It's not really, I don't know. He just didn't. He's saying it every game, isn't he? Right He's saying it mm. every single game about the time to gel and stuff. And yet we get that. Um, but, you know, for us as a fan base, I mean, there's probably too much expectation, right? And that's probably come from that playoff final appearance. And there's not enough patience in this in no. this uh, fan base at all. And with the pressure that that builds on the team, really, but the pressure only comes really from the fans if the team aren't performing. And the team are the ones really that can take that pressure away. And that's why it's so important this weekend that we we put something in, put a bit of effort in for a start. Um, and, you know, that's why a result is probably needed as well. And, Listen, for me, I'm not too worried about going forward about performances. I just want to see some results. There has to, they have to relieve the tension that's building over these last couple of games. And that only comes by a result on, on Monday. Yeah, of course it does. Um, and like yeah, Robin says, you've got to take them on the chin. It's, like, well, it's easy to take them on the chin when you feel like you've, you've, you've played anywhere, somewhere near your sort of capability. You know, even if our maximum sort of potential is going to increase as the season goes on, there was no, there was very few people who actually came out of that game with any credit. Personally, I think he probably did. I thought Jamie Allen, uh, mentioned on him, um, came on with 20 minutes to go, not played a minute of preseason. He's had heart issues, health issues, all sorts of things. But he came on and looked, he actually injected that energy, didn't he, Matt? You know, something that we was severely lacking throughout the rest of the side on Tuesday night. Yeah, it's probably quite a damning fact and quite a, uh, apt thing to say that somebody could come on it for 20 minutes and, and probably stand out as the best player across the whole 90 to be honest with you you know that shouldn't be the case but but yeah you're absolutely right he came on they just looked to be that energy and that effort um from from jamie allen without really having to do too much he was able to maybe stand out just from that energy and and work rate and effort that he put into to that kind of short cameo so that was obviously pleasing to see because he's you know he's obviously been through it for the last couple of months and we are going to need people in his area of the pitch uh moving forward with with some of the injury news and and what's been going on lately so yeah that was an, a pleasing cameo to see but uh, other than that it is hard to pick anybody out certainly from that starting starting 11 as well but also jamie allen's not the answer is he He's not gonna. He's not gonna completely change. Well, he the might way. need to be an element of an answer for for a well, short yeah, period of time. Well, yeah, potentially, unless we fill the gap. Mm. I'm just gonna say, Josh Onama is still without a club. I know we had talks with him early in the summer. Let's go back there and get him in for at least till January. It do we think? Because fill... I can't. I'm trying to think back. I was thinking about this earlier. Do, do we? recall times where we've, we've we've done this after the window shut where we might bring somebody in as an emergency unless it's been a major emergency and I know this is a major emergency it. well man. i was just about to say you know but like you're you're down to your last keeper or something and you bring another keeper in or something other. i think the keeper thing's lines. a little bit different isn't it because you've got fa rules that can yeah that can that can so that's my point like, it doesn't feel in. like something that we do unless it is right down to that level of um an emergency and again yeah i agree we, we we need somebody in there but i don't know do we think it's something that he, he will do or the club will do I, I, i'd be surprised i'd be really surprised yeah I, I agree that jamie allen maybe isn't like the long-term answer but i think you know the last few games he played last season he was playing in the, at the top of the box well we don't need him to play there we need him his energy just in central midfield 
you know, level with, we can't have Kelly and Eccles who their first thought was just to go straight back to the, the, the centre-backs. And then, I mean, it said we had 62% possession. Well, 61 of that must have been Binks going to Fads, Fads Latibodia, back to Fads, back to Binks. It was, I mean, it was just terrible. And it, it did, like you, something you said at the right at the top, uh, Dean, about uh, it reminded me of the COVID season, the first year in the champ, when we were very passive, just feeling our way into a game, waiting for something to happen. And the then all scraps, of a sudden, picking up yeah, the scraps. And, and just sort of thinking, why are we starting so lackadaisical? And I mean, the goals, I mean, that we conceded, Dreadful defending, wasn't it? Um, I actually can't remember the goals. I'm I mean, trying not we, to remember them. It, I know, Will, I know corner, Wilson Wilson went into some sort of dance move for the third goal. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he was doing like Saturday Night Fever or something yeah. like that. It was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> And there's obviously question marks over him now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... It, it just... We just feel down in the dumps a little bit. I think the four draws obviously in a row didn't help. And then a bad performance and a, a bad defeat against a Cardiff side who they're not going to pull up any trees. I don't think this season they well, we made know, it easy for them. Didn't yeah. We? Yeah. We made them look good in spouse for sure. Mm. But you know, we'd have made a league T two side look good. In but when game. you play that, when you play that midfield, it's got to give you, and you know, Cardiff would have done their, their homework. They'll know these players to some extent. When you play those two midfielders, it just, for me, it, it made it so easy for them to to play well or at least to have a very comfortable game because you're looking at that and thinking we haven't really got that much pressure on us from a dis- defensive point of view. Um, so we can, you know, we can let them have the ball, have the ball, do whatever you like with it because we know you can't do the things that are really going to hurt us. So you have the ball for ages and, and dance around and do whatever you're going to do. But, you know, we'll, we'll take our time and then when we get the ball, obviously... Um, will will be a lot more incisive. So that just made it so much easier for them. And I think, again, going back to your point around Robbins and his post-match comments, you know, it is easy to get carried away with a, a win or a defeat either way. And sometimes you've kind of got to take stock of the situation and maybe say it's not as bad as uh, overall as, as maybe one-off performance would suggest. You know, the four games beforehand would say maybe we we were missing a little something, things haven't fully clicked and, and everything else. And it's just a frustration that things maybe haven't fallen our way. We haven't held on to leads. We haven't gone on maybe with one or two more games where you're looking at it a completely different way. This was an abject performance. It was a terrible performance. But I do put a lot of that onto Robbins because of what he's done in centre midfield, especially as well when you go 1-0 down in a game like that and you're just thinking... Well, we now have to chase this. How are we even? How are we ever going to possibly do that when your centre midfield is just lacking any level of? He's creativity? very reluctant to change the shape ever in a in yeah. a match until we're losing. You yeah, know, it's, so it's reactive, isn't it's, it? Yeah, but it's it's also it's also like the last the last thing he will ever do is yeah, change his shape. <laughs> yeah, when when chasing a game or not even playing well. There's been games where it's been nil nil in the past, and you think. You know, if we could just change a little thing here, we'll get a foothold in this game and probably go on and win it. But it, they're just reluctant to do that. It, it, yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? And, and I know I mean, you can I... only do that with the the players you've got at your disposal. But he could have changed things. But, but he's got massively options. That's the thing. That, like there, there 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 are like he actually does have options. You look at that bench and you got Ayari there, you got Allen there, you got Sims. Obviously, Sakamoto you know came on and sort of enforced. But you. It's, to me, I've never seen a game where it seems so obvious that there needed to be minimum one, probably two half-time subs. Palmer off, 
and, and one of Kelly and Eccles. And, and neither of those happened. And actually, neither of the, that didn't happen until after we went two one down. And, and you, you end up scratching your head a little bit. And I think what you were saying, Matt, I think you know, in previous games, Hull and Watford and games that we've drawn, there's been, we've showed glimpses, haven't we, that actually ah, individuals have looked really good and, and, and we've had hope. So then you're sort of waiting for the next step would be for it to click enough that we, you know, we get a big three points. Tuesday just felt like a massive step backwards. All those glimmers of sort of hope just sort of went from individuals. And I guess that's probably the most deflating thing that probably the biggest person to come out with the most credit, Matty Godden, two goals, taking his tally, five league goals in seven games. I mean, who would have thought would have spent 11 million pound on strikers and, and he's the main man. Uh, he, and he's you know, getting the blame. It's his yeah. scoring goals as well, isn't it? Oh my it? God. Yeah. <laughs> That just shows you, though, what you kind of... It is a portion of our fan base, right? And you kind of sometimes get a little bit um, as gear as anyone. It's an echo bit... chamber, isn't it? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of get a bit carried away thinking, oh, our fan base is this, that and the other. Well, actually, it's a portion of our fan base that are this, that and the other. But you hear it and it's so ridiculous and crazy that it's kind of... It's hard not to overinflate what that actually is in the grand scheme of our fan base. But yeah, it's obviously Robin's out. You've got a few shouts of that, which is insanity. Um, but yeah, the, the one that really made me chuckle this week it, it was the Godin situation. It's his fault. He's scoring too many goals. How dare he? Crazy, isn't it? And uh, Man of the matches from you two, if there was anyone. Anyone who lasted past 70 minutes watching it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe the 1800 Sky Blue Army. They 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 were the best, weren't they? I mean, even I mean, even they didn't really celebrate the goal. It was probably the least celebrated goal when we equalised that I've ever. I just sat I think everyone was just in shock, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Matt summed it up perfectly on the group chat when he said, "I just feel pissed off at Cardiff." And I, I genuinely, exactly I actually no, genuinely I did. did. Well, a mate of mine's a Cardiff fan, and I was messaging him going, "I said I literally just sat there laughing. I just I can't <laughs> believe that we've equalised." You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Anyway, we'll swiftly move on uh, from the Cardiff game and we'll, we'll look ahead to Monday night back at home, uh, Huddersfield Town. And since we spoke, Matt, from the whole review podcast, all sorts has happened at Huddersfield. So it's, a good, it's a good job that we're, <laughs> we're doing the preview pod now. Uh, Neil Warnock announced that he's leaving. He had his final game uh, against Stoke on Wednesday night. And they've appointed Darren Moore today. So let's go straight in, Matt. What what are your thoughts on on what's been happening at Huddersfield and how does that affect how you look at Monday's game? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. They've really not been in a, in a bad run of form when you look at it going either side of the international break. I think it's three games and beaten now. They win a couple of games. Um, well, they win one before the break, which is a 
a good result, a 2-1 away win at, at West Brom and then beat Rotherham at home, which you'd probably say, OK, we, they might expect to do that or it's not the hardest game, but you still got to go out and, and win the game and they've done that. And then a 2-2 draw with Stoke isn't the worst result. So it seems like an odd time for there to be a change, but obviously, you know, that's a bigger situation, I guess, when it comes to Neil Warnock and, um, you know, there was obviously... I'm assuming plans in place with regards to Darren Moore coming in. So um, I'm guessing that's had an effect on the situation. Um, I think it's a relatively good appointment for them, quite a realistic person to bring in, somebody who knows, you know, the the, the lower leagues, I guess, to some extent, or, or certainly outside of the top league from a managerial perspective. And you look at his, uh, his record as a manager, it, it's a pretty solid one. So... Um, It'll be an interesting game. I think it's a good appointment, but it's a big ask for him to obviously come in and put his mark down within a week, whether he's, I don't know if they've announced whether he will be directly taking charge of the team beforehand. They have got the best part of a week, so I guess potentially so. But um, but yeah, from, from the perspective of their side, there isn't really much you're looking at and thinking it looks too dangerous on paper. Um, I think when we were speaking you, about You say it, that, but I reckon they're looking at us on paper, Josh Caroma, Jack Ridoni and... Sorba Thomas all going, that midfield, thanks very much. We're going to run rings around you. Well, yeah, that is a concern if it's the same midfield. <laughs> I'd like to hope it's, <laughs> it's not the same midfield. Um, no, I think mean, obviously we'd probably hope, obviously we're not going to be at full strength, which is which is unfortunate. And whatever we do in midfield, hopefully it is different to what we saw on, um, on Tuesday night. But we have, I, I would say, strength in depth greater than Huddersfield. We have more threats across the pitch than they do. They've got a couple of decent players who you've got to keep an eye on for sure. And, and you know, you've got to respect the fact that they've, I mean, they're ahead of us in the table now. So they've they've obviously had a better start to the season than, than we have. I just do think we've got more quality in our squad. And yes, we obviously have to overcome that situation in midfield. But I do think we have enough options in terms of what we can do to change that to um, to, to win this game. Can I just say something on the, the Warnock situation. I find that baffling. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wild. Like I listened to his press conference on Monday, where him and the the chairman or yes. the CEO of, CEO of Huddersfield was there, and they were talking about obviously this great big plan they've got in place, and when they found somebody who was highly sought after, they were going to obviously make the change. And then I've seen Darren Moore be announced today. I'm thinking, hey. Like that's not the the big change I thought they were going to go for. I thought they were going to go for some like hugely experienced European manager, maybe we've never heard of, but he's had forty seven seasons in the the Greek league or something like that. You know, something that only Huddersfield would would likely do. But they're putting Darren Moore, which I just find peculiar. I don't. Has he done well in the championship? But the only thing I can remember, didn't he get relegated? Some he got relegated, and obviously then did all right with Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, I. I was going to ask you about about it, Dean. Actually, sort of like it, it's one of those where it feels like have they sort of has Warnock doing such a good job in in that six month period? Has that sort of pulled the wool over their eyes, thinking that actually? Because I listened to that podcast, um, podcast, that press conference as well, and, and they were sort of going, "We're, we're so much, you know, we're, we're stable and all this." And I thought, well, actually, you haven't done that much business. I still think you're not that dissimilar to the squad that was absolutely dog. Uh, last season I mean are you more or less worried about Monday when you sort of heard about this news I'm less worried because Darren Moore will come in with his own ideas and probably try and change change things quite quickly um, and I hate coming up against the Warnock side whoever whoever they are so I am less worried in, in that regard 
But I just find the whole thing baffling. It it just feels like a weird, weird thing to do. And I think, you know, Huddersfield, like you say, they're not a great side. I still think they're going to be one of the favourites for relegation. Uh, I don't think that will change regardless of what happens on Monday night. Um, but it's, yes, it's, it's just, I just find it all baffling. It's a bit weird. I don't know what to make of it all. Warnock for them clearly was a short-term option, right? But so... Darren Moore's been available since, what, June? Since yeah. he left Sheffield Wednesday? So they mm. could have made... If he was, the, he, if he was the, the plan, why have they waited until the middle of September, seven weeks into a season, to, to make that change? It's odd. It's well, that was the baffling thing that that CEO or chief executive, he, he said like, well, we, we, we didn't want to make the change of the summer because we wanted to make it from a position of strength. So they waited six, six or seven games into the season. I don't know. It, it did seem a very, very odd. But let, let's get the thoughts then of our friends at And He Takes That Chance podcast, a Huddersfield Town podcast. Let's get their thoughts on the season so far. And of course, the uh, managerial change that has uh, occurred in the last few days. Hi there, this is uh, Matt from the Andy Takes That Chance podcast and we cover all things Huddersfield Town. Um, so you have you guys have sent me some questions to answer on the upcoming Coventry versus Huddersfield game. So um, you've mentioned what do I make to the start to the season for Huddersfield and it's an interesting one. Um, we saw the fixture list at the start of the season and I think it, it struck panic into a lot of people. Um, Plymouth up first away uh, after the momentum they had in League One last year was probably not ideal. Uh, then the league favourites at home in Leicester, uh, probably not ideal. Middlesbrough away um, as they were scrapping for their first win. And then Norwich who've, who've hit form under our old manager as well. So it was a tough start. Um, probably not quite as tough as maybe it looked on paper but um, we've rallied of late. Uh, we went to West Brom and beat them uh, 2-1 with a decent performance. And then we played really well against Rotherham last time out as well. So uh, two wins in a row, which is which is good for us. I'm not sure we've done that for quite a while. Um, but it's been uh, a relatively tough start. But uh, just as the wheels seemed to gather motion, uh, we decided to uh, push the man responsible for us being in the league out of the door. So there we go. A strange start to the season. Uh, the last match itself uh, against Rotherham um, was a really excellent performance, really. Uh, I know Rotherham's away form isn't the best, uh, but Rotherham came into that feeling quite confident. Um, Matt, who who runs the uh, the New York Talk Rotherham account, fancied them to, uh, to get a win as well. Um, but I think after a, a, an opening sort of 20, 25 minutes, which was a, a feeling out process, we really took command of the game. And uh, and convincingly beat them. It should really have been four, five, six. Uh, we missed a, a hatful of chances. We had a bit of a system change to a four, four, two. Neil Warnock went right back to the eighties and nineties on that one with two out and out wingers and two strikers. It was a thing of beauty to uh, people of a certain age. But yeah, we played really well. The two wingers in particular caused a lot of problems for Rotherham. Uh, Sauber Thomas and Josh Caroma and both. Uh, both got on the score sheet um, and set each other up. So um, hopefully they've, they're about to hit a a little bit of form. Um, in terms of injuries for that, Jonathan Hogg went off um, with a slight um, problem. Uh, hopefully he'll be uh, back and okay. Um, in terms of any other injuries, Danny Ward has had an Achilles injury. Uh, Danny Ward's uh, been our sort of striker. Um <sighs> Uh, and he, he comes under a little bit of fire, to be honest, uh, because he doesn't get 
an incredible amount of goals, but uh, he does an important job for us, running, leading the line and uh, you know bringing others into play. So uh, he could potentially still be missing uh, with an Achilles injury. So um, other than that, uh, I think we're relatively at full strength. Tom Lees has returned to training. He's not played yet this season, uh, but he might be uh, might be on the bench. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're we're not too down on numbers for that one. Uh, how we expect to see us line up is going to be interesting because, as I said, Neil Warnock's been pushed out. Uh, there will be a new manager in charge for the game. Uh, but I can't really see them changing too much. So we'll probably, if Danny Ward's not not fit, uh, I imagine we'll go with two strikers. And that's because the youngster up there, Kean Harrett, probably can't uh, run the line by himself just yet. And Delano Bergsog, who's played up there with him as well, is more of a winger, really, than a striker. So, um, strength in numbers, if you like, up there. So, um, I imagine we'll either go three-five-two uh, or four-four-two. It, I guess it depends on what system that, uh, they think that Coventry will play as well. Um, a three-five-two should solidify things uh, across the middle, if you like, of the pitch uh, in defence and midfield. So, I, I can imagine we'll we'll maybe go that, or maybe a three-five-one-one or something like that. But um, yeah, we we started to pick up, uh, or we're starting to pick up a little bit of form and uh, starting to look a bit more fluid. But that'll be interesting to see how that uh, pans out come uh, kickoff. Um, so, in terms of players to watch out for uh, for us, um, Jack Radoni's started the season quite well. He might not catch the eye uh, to a lot of people, but he gets through a lot of work runs. Uh, around 13 to 14 kilometers a game which is which is quite a lot um he does a couple of neat little things here and there he's supposed to be a number 10 but we're more we we've moved him back really to uh, a number 8 uh and he's and he's doing really well he's he struggled in the final third so he doesn't quite get as many goals and uh, assists as he should um but he's he started this season quite well so he's really pushing on and his midfield partner Ben Wiles, who we've signed from Rotherham's full of energy as well. So the pair of them run all day, full of energy, will press, harass, uh, tackle, move forward, dribble. So they're, they're both sort of all-action midfielders and, and they're really interesting to watch for us and, and quite exciting. Um, out wide, we've got um, Sauber Thomas, which I'm sure you, you guys know all about over the last couple of years. Sauber's delivery is very good. Not really a bag of tricks, not really quick, um, not not out-and-out out pace. Uh, but he puts a good ball in, and when you've got two strikers, that can be dangerous. Um, if he plays wing-back, he may get pushed back, so uh, I suppose that might be uh, something that will be on uh, Mark Robbins' mind. And then Josh Caroma as well had a great end to last season. He has performed brilliantly under Neil Warnock, so without Neil Warnock, he probably might slip back into his uh, into his shell, maybe. But uh, at the back, we're quite solid at the back. Michal Helic, the Polish international, is really good at the back. Um, and Matty Pearson is a very aggressive, no-nonsense, very agricultural defender who doesn't look great on the eye, but he's very effective at what he does. So those are the prob- probably the players to watch out for. But if you're looking for anyone to really excite you at Huddersfield Town, um, it's not really what we do, <laughs> to be honest. We're just very efficient, uh, or we have players who are efficient. Uh, we're not all about the flair, uh, let's put it that way. Um, in terms of a score... Uh, it's interesting. It just depends how the players are going to react to Neil Warnock moving on. So it's the first match without him. Um, so I think some players will do okay, will be fine. Some players, maybe not. So 
it all depends on the new man and what he brings in and how he just finds his feet immediately. Um, I would imagine a lot of Neil Warnock's uh, backroom team will go, so I'm not sure there'll be a lot of continuity. Ronnie Jepson's uh, his number two, he's going to go with him. So we, we it's really open-ended at the minute. It's really, really open-ended. I'm not sure. Um, I imagine there'll be a bit of disappointment. Neil Warnock's been a very, very popular figure at Huddersfield. It's him and Huddersfield Town fit hand in glove. They're a very good combination. Uh, we understand him. He understands us. Uh, he plays a style of football, which not everyone loves, but we do. Um, it's a very up and at you kind of style. So um, it, it's probably the, the the one game where I've absolutely got absolutely no idea what's going to happen. I'm going to predict a Coventry win because I imagine that there'll be more players slightly upset at the change than any that'll be happy. And I think that might get reflected in the result. And I do really rate Coventry as a team as well. I know you've lost... Two uh, very good players um, in Gokares and um, Hamer. But uh, yeah, you've replaced quite well, in my opinion, as well. You brought some decent players in as well. And I think you're just quite close to clicking and uh, and heading up the pit, uh, heading up the, the league table. And I do fancy Coventry to finish in the top six again this season. So um, I'm going to go for 2-0 Coventry. Um, uh, I'll let you guys decide who's going to score on that one. But uh, Hadji Wright seems an interesting one. Uh, I'm not sure where he's at at the minute, but Matty Godden seems to be on form for you guys, scoring uh, a couple of goals recently as well. So maybe he'll, uh, maybe he's the one that you're going to look to. So um, it's going to be a tough game. I'm sure we'll make it very difficult, um, but I think just with the, the change, uh, I suspect it will uh, it will go your way. So um, just want to wish you guys all the best. Thanks for having us on. Uh, and we'll catch up with you uh, later on in the season. All the best, guys. Thank you. And a big thank you to those folks at Any Takes That Chance podcast for their wonderful insight. Can you give us a, your best comms line? Any Takes That Chance. <laughs> Go on, Matt. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the voice man here. Where, where, when Ellis Sims <laughs> scores his first goal, Any Takes <laughs> That Chance. I need the man of McDelivery uh, to give me oh, that line. I know. Picture the... <laughs> Picture the scene. Um, so let's have let's focus on us now going into um, Monday. The onus is on us. I think, you know, we spoke about it after home that we need, we need one of these moments now at the CBS with this current crop of new players, someone to sort of, you know, take the mantle really. Uh, and, and we need to produce performance and the result. What, 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 you know, team news wise, would you make any changes having seen the players who came on? Is there anyone who you think defensively, you know, we've got kitchen, we've got Bobby Thomas. You know, there's lots of options. Sakamoto came on and looked quite good against Cardiff. Um, what, what do you think? Is there any, anything that jumps out to you that you want? to? I, I do? would blow it up, blow that team up completely <laughs> and just change, change, change stuff because you, it's so early in the season, you can afford to roll the dice and see yeah. what happens. So for me, I would keep with Ben Wilson in goal. If Van Avak is injury free, then he obviously him and De Silva, by the way, have been you know really good yeah. so far this season. De Silva, one of the best signings of of the championship for me so far. Um, I'd give Fads a rest. I'd have Bobby Thomas in there. I'd have Kitchen in there. I'd have Binks in there as well. I think Binks has been really good uh, so far for me. And then the midfield, obviously, is where we need to change things up. Now, for me, I'd put Latabodier in there as a defensive option. And just say to him, look, you're the quarterback as such. Just try and play balls through to to what I've got in front of you, which for me, I'd have Eccles, Allen and Ayari 
in some sort of three in front of him with Gordon up top on his own. Um, but mainly on the basis that he scored the goal so far. And hopefully some those three can can provide something for him at the top end of the pitch. Um, I'm not sure Mark Robbins has got the cojones to, to drastically change it that way. But that's something I would do and maybe something to, to look at in the meantime until we get Ben Sheaf back at, in, in the team because I think he is a huge loss at this moment in time. Yeah, he is, isn't it? Yeah, no, no get away from that. Uh, Matt, is there anything, you know, you in agreement or is there anything that you'd like, anyone you'd like to see sort of get a start on Monday? I think, I think the most pivotal thing for me is um, obviously sending midfield. Right? I mean, that's, that's clearly evident from the conversation so far, but, um, you know, Huddersfields are, they've got a new manager now, so who knows how it's going to change, but I can't imagine it's going to change too much in terms of how they've allowed other teams to have the ball. And that's very much a theme for them. It was the theme against Stoke, I believe, the other the other night. Um, so I think they're going to quite happily let us have the ball. And for me, the most pivotal thing I would I would say, you know, potentially we can make other changes around the pitch. I think obviously Dino mentioned about McFadden maybe getting a, a rest. There's, there's obviously the, the potential for us to do that now with the options that we have at, at centre-half. So maybe that's something we look at. I think wing-backs kind of pick themselves if they're fit. Um, but there have been a couple of niggles there. We'll see what happens from that perspective. The main thing for me is somebody in the middle of the pitch who uh, can bring composure, who can bring that kind of just that feel when they get their foot on the ball, they can maybe create that yard or that extra second of space and then turn and look and, and, and obviously you feel confident they can pick a pass, they can open up play, they can do something with it. Because I think if we were just to have a very... I don't know, a very defensive-minded midfield or a very structured midfield that haven't got that opportunity or that ability to to create something that's playing into Huddersfield's hands, they're, again, happily going to let us have possession and, and not feel too much of a threat. So my, my big thing is around Iari and what happens with Iari um, in the next couple of games. And I think I said again after the game against Cardiff, if, if he doesn't play centre midfield uh, against Huddersfield for me, then that's confirmation that he never will. And we, we potentially have... Well, it'd be an interesting question of have we either moved on from him as a, as a centre midfielder or have we actually brought him in without that in mind, which is a big question for me because we've obviously, we brought in one player in that area of the pitch roughly after Hamer left, which is Ayari. So if we've brought him in, in my mind, there has to be some thought that he can play some level of centre midfield role. But if we've either given up on that already or we've decided that he's he wasn't brought in for that that reason, then that, that is quite shocking after letting Hamer go. So uh, that's the key for me. I, I would be really interested to see if he potentially does get a game in centre midfield. You know, I, I think I mentioned it after the, the whole game in the in the podcast um, a few days ago. I do know some people who are Brighton fans. They have said, look, he's not going to be your ball winning all over the pitch, driving around doing what Ben Sheaf does, but he is somebody who will cover ground. He'll do his job from a midfield perspective, but he is somebody in that centre midfield. What we need is creativity in that area of the pitch. Uh, and we've got plenty of players who can do stuff a bit further up, but we haven't got anybody who can show that creativity in centre midfield. So for me, I don't know, I just don't want us to have completely potentially moved on from him as an option in centre midfield. And that's what I'm hopeful of seeing. F firstly, we need to definitely make a change in centre midfield, but I'd be quite interested to see him come in. And it does ask, 
obviously pose a question then of who plays alongside him, which is going to be massively important when you know you've you've got a nineteen year old you're putting a lot of that of, of responsibility on as well. I think you t- you touch a good point on the Ayari situation, and I think they have given up on him mainly on the basis of those two substitute appearances. Do you think he came in as a centre midfield? Do you think he, he they initially brought him in as a centre midfielder and they have already given up on him? Because to me, yeah. seems shocking that we would have done it on the basis of a 19-year-old coming into the club off, off the back of two sub appearances. And we've said, right, we've brought you in as the person who essentially, to some level, is going to replace Hamer. And then two sub appearances in. No, you, you you're never going to play in that position again. He didn't he didn't show that intent and that work rate enough, basically in those two substitute appearances. And I think that's what's really set alarm. But he has done more he ha- in the last two games against. But he Hull, was pushed I, up a little bit further though. He, he was, but and then but but so was Hamer t- towards the end because you had Kelly and and Sheep were that like, were sat there, and in, it was almost like a. A three. I think he could play as a centre mid in a three if we were to mm. have like a, a an Eccles. Obviously, when she's back or Eccles, Allen and a and a Yari. I think to me the other big thing is in the, at least against Cardiff in the last twenty five minutes when you got Kitchen, a centre back actually stepping forward. He then comes into that midfield, allowing them that extra that extra option. I mean, O'Hare, he's going to be back soon. I mean, you you wonder whether we will return to the box, and actually you then could have Eccles and you know, another sort of sitter in that in the base of the box and then have a Yari and O'Hare. I mean, there's options. And then Sakamoto, I mean, he looked really good going forward. Robin's even touched on it and made me laugh. He sort of went, you know, he was he got done on the inside. But, uh, I mean, he's an attacking player, so it's fine. I was thinking, so we've got one right wing back then. <laughs> great, great, you know, great. I think Yari needs someone in there to run alongside him. I don't think he can do that position on his own, basically. And that's, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what the midfield two is required. That's what you're required to do. And I don't think he's got that in him to do that. But that, that's that, that's the point I make. I think for me, I say it's really important then what you do alongside him in that area of the pitch. But for me, we also, especially in a game like well, I'm certain we're going to have a majority of the possession. They're going to allow us to have a majority of the possession. And everybody seemed to say after Ayari's first game, he didn't run, um, but he looked really technical and talented. And it's like, why do we automatically just have to shove everybody who's technically capable and able right to the top end of the pitch? You need those people who can do that from a deep position. That's because of the position he was put in, though. You You need to have the energy to do that. That's that's why people have questioned it. To play in that position, you need to have the energy, and he didn't show that. That's that's why people are questioning it. Are we playing to our strengths? You know, is the actual style of football that we're we're playing this season, which is a lot more say tippy tappy. Do do you think that's actually playing to the the place that we've got? I look at our two strikers, for example, the two new strikers, and I don't see how playing these slow passes. You know, Hadji Wright, I got no one in a thirty meter circumference around him. To me, when he's looked at his best in clips, for example, it's when he's been running on to balls. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. And but that's not how we're playing. We're playing. They've got eleven bodies in front of us, and we're just slowly passing it around. To me, I, I don't know. I just don't think we're using. I mean, Van Avak, I think if we played the right way, he could be an absolute menace. But again, everything's to him, and he has to stop that because there's no one making forward runs. I th- it's. I I'm not sure we're playing to our strengths. I think all. you're right because at the start of the season we had Sims up there, and then we were playing those f- sort of channel balls for people yeah. to run onto. And Sims is not the player to do that. And now we've got Wright in there. We're not playing those same types of yeah. balls. And then we were only bringing Sims on for ten minutes, and I actually thought he looked pretty handy on on Monday. Yeah, I, I think he's uh, going to start Monday, uh, Tuesday, on Tuesday. Yeah. 
I think, you know, when we got the ball into him, he looked handy. But 10 minutes substitute appearances for him is not going to do him any good. No. no one's learning systems at all. So it's like we're playing the opposite way we should to one when the certain strikers on the pitch. And that that's frustrating because, like you say, we're not playing to the strengths. And I think we're, we're just trying to find what works at the moment. And I think the mindset is a lot like we've still got Victor Jokeres at the team. Yeah. And we've got totally different players. Yeah. So we're trying to unlock something uh, with those players. I just don't think we're, we're finding it at the moment. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I think with O'Hare coming back, and it's, we need those players who are prepared to take the ball on the turn and try and thread some forward passes. So we'll have to see um, see what happens. I'll get a prediction from you both. Let's start with you, Matt, uh, for Monday night. Uh, yeah, as long as we see the changes in centre midfield, I'm I'm still pretty confident, to be honest with you. And we, we something we've always said with um, Mark Robbins is you you generally get a reaction, right? You don't see two, three bad game, really bad games in a row. Um, so, yeah, I think with a couple of needed tweaks, a, a well-thought-out game plan, realising how Huddersfield are probably going to set up against us, um, I'm, I'm still relatively confident that we'll, we'll get the win in this game. So I'm going to go for 3-1. Wow. 3-1 yeah. win. Three goals. Hold on, hold on. Can I just say, are we that... Are we that down in the dumps and depressed to say we can't in any way, shape or form believe we can beat Huddersfield 3-1 at home? I'm sorry. I know it was a bad performance against Cardiff and I know we've drawn a few games before that, but I can't have anybody tell me it was that bad that we can't beat Huddersfield 3-1 at home. He's obviously saw us score three goals against Middlesbrough and three against Watford and thought, <laughs> yeah, there's another three on the cards but, here. <laughs> what, what are you thinking, Dean? scrappy scrappy awful performance one nil win yeah. i just can't see anything other than that but just because of the way things are at the moment i'd be yeah. absolutely delighted if we scored three goals but i just can't see it i just think it's going to be like a real tense game the atmosphere is going to be barbaric <laughs> just with the way things are at the moment i just <laughs> i'm so glad i'm out of the, i'm so glad i'm out of the country um, <laughs> Barbaric. I mean, you know, you score a goal after ten minutes. The atmosphere isn't barbaric. No, but these things can change. Yeah, exactly. But that's the point, isn't it? Is that we play the game and you see what happens in the game. Look, I just as much as we've all we we talked about the Cardiff game, it was a terrible performance. I think a lot of that was from stems off terrible tactical decisions. Aside from that, and you changed that area of the pitch, which I'm confident he will do it still hasn't fully clicked, right? So I'm not saying even if you do change that midfield, everything's perfect and we're going to slaughter every team four or five nil because we haven't done that prior to that game anyway. But I think you put that tactical issue right um, and I'm confident that we're still we're still good enough that we can beat Huddersfield 3-1 and we can score three goals. And to be fair, whenever we've sort of been down in the dumps over a few games in the past, Mark Robbins has somehow managed to miraculously turn it around the next game. So, you know, fingers yeah. crossed that happens. Fingers crossed. But we're both got you both going for wins. So I'll make that th I'll go for a win as well. Maybe two one, two one. Nervy. Um so yeah, that's all we've got time for. Chaps, thank you, Dean. Thank you, Matt, um, for joining us for this Huddersfield Town preview and a little look back at the uh, Cardiff game. Um 
make sure you head over to uh, Dylan's Brewery uh, on Monday as well for the pre and post match drinks and food with Dal's Diner. Uh, and make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at SBE Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.